Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Grain by Train podcast for Grain Week One. I'm Greg Northey from Pulse Canada. I'm joined by Mil Proye of QGI Consulting. We manage the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of agriculture groups that produce data and reports on rail service and performance. How are you today, Mel? Great, Greg. How are you? Yeah, very good. So we have now officially entered the new grain year. So week one performance report uh, is in the books. Published that uh, a few days ago. Pretty good performance so far. Milt, what did we see in the week one report? Yeah, um, if we're going to have good service, we might as well start the year with good service. And that's exactly what we did in week one. CM and CP, actually, with the exact same service that they finished the last green year off with in week 52. CM at 99%, CP at 95%. So both railways uh, are continuing their streak or run, if you will, of uh, very good performance through the latter portion of the last grain year and heading into uh, the new grain year. I think if I recall, CP has now been 90% or better order fulfillment for 19 straight weeks, which is quite a run. And CN, uh, not quite as good, but uh, pretty good. Uh, they've been uh, 90% or plus, I think, 14 of the last 16 weeks, which is kind of hard to believe when you think back to what we were seeing in the wintertime, but, you know, they got better. And so far, we're seeing that uh, come through in, in the beginning of the grain year. Now, having said all of that, I think that, you know, we need to contextualize that information a little bit. Demand, obviously, remains extremely low. And I think that contributes uh, likely positively to the performance that we saw in week one. CN's demand to begin the grain year is extremely low. Uh, in week one, that's uh, you know a total of just over a thousand hopper car orders, which was a 70% drop from the week before, uh, week 52. And when we look back uh, over time, Based on our records, that's the lowest one-week demand at any time of the year in more than four years, which is quite remarkable when you think about it. And unfortunately, week two is looking even less promising. You know, we have a bit of a forward look into car orders for week two and now into week three. And week two is going to be even less than week one by the looks of it less than 700 cars for CN, and then that's going to turn around quickly by the looks of things in week three and get back up over 2,300 cars. So I don't think that's going to surprise a lot of people. I think even CN was publicly saying they were expecting a very slow start to the grain year for a bunch of different reasons, but mostly the fact that harvest is a little bit behind, and it looks like it's going to impact them more than it's going to impact CP. CP's number is also down you know, week over week, 52 to 1, 30%, uh, so not as severe as CN. Overall, their numbers are holding up better uh, to start the grain year. Their week two and three are looking, you know, better than CN's uh, week two and three. So it'll be interesting to see how, as the traffic starts to ramp up, how both railways respond. They seem to have proven over the last four months or so that they can deliver good performance when volumes are really low. Uh, we'll see if they can keep it up as volumes start to ramp up, which we fully expect they will, and probably not hit their peak until middle of October, I would guess. Yeah, that is, I mean, the low demand is really something. And I think everyone's expecting, as you say, that there'll be a delayed start to it. But, you know, that that when that surge happens, and as you say, it could be as early as week three or We'll see how much capacity the railways have available to to handle that as, as we progress through. So anyways, a good start to the year. 
provincially, I'd imagine with numbers like that, it's pretty pretty similar numbers across the board for each of the, the provinces. Yeah, um, you know, generally when when we see good performance like that at the top line, it carries through, and that's the case for week one. Both railways were pretty good everywhere. I mean, CP had a bit of a toe stub in in Alberta, which on a percentage basis, eighty eight percent looks more severe than it is when you dig into the numbers really at the end of the day they missed one block of 50 cars and that drove their percentage down to 88 so that's attributable to low volumes small mistakes look bigger but generally speaking they were really good uh, right across the board okay that's good uh so let's switch gears now we had mentioned this on the podcast last week and in several weeks before around grain plans. And so CNCP published their annual grain plans at the end of July, you know, in the lead up to that date, uh, the Ag Transport Coalition had uh, suggested to the government and to the railways some, some items that should be in those plans that would at least guide the content of the plans. And this is something we've done for, for several years. This, these grain plans have been in place since 2018 through legislation. And we've been pretty consistent in, in describing or, or detailing what we felt would be important to be in grain plans like this. So we're going to do today, I think we'll, we'll give a quick rundown, Milton, on what it was that the ATC asked for in those plans. And then in the coming weeks, we'll, we'll talk a bit more in detail about those plans and, and whether what we asked for was actually in them. So Milt, when we submitted our, our letter to the government and made that public, what is it that we as a grain sector, as the ATC, asked for within these grain plans that the, that the railways uh, are required to put out? Yeah, a couple things. And I'll kind of, you know, there was some very specific asks, but I'll kind of group them into some major categories for the purposes of our discussion today. So the first thing really was a more precise forecast from the railways on the grain demand that they were expecting and broken down by principal corridor and then the rail capacity that they were planning to offer against that demand. Right now, unfortunately, the grain plans, uh, CN and CP basically come out and say, we expect to handle 27.5 million tons of grain. And that's it. That's all the detail we can give you. Uh, unfortunately, that's not very helpful because grain moves in significant quantities in multiple corridors. If you understand this business, Vancouver, Prince Rupert, Thunder Bay, Eastern Canada, the US, they're all important to shippers. They all require the railway to plan capacity for them. So what we were looking for was a more definitive statement, a more granular statement from the railways about what is the actual demand you see and where do you see it? And how are you going to offer capacity against demand in those very specific corridors? Second thing we asked for broadly was an indication of their asset utilization and service performance targets within their grain plants. So if you're going to handle X millions of tons of grain in all these different corridors, underlying that plan, in theory, is an assumption about the assets that you're going to need how you're going to use those assets and the level of service that you're going to deliver in order to be able to actually move the tonnage that needs to get moved. So very simply, asset utilization targets, the most common one in the rail industry, and particularly for grain, because it's largely a railway supplied fleet, is car cycles. And for service performance targets, we were asking about specific trip time targets in major corridors. Third is this issue of what the railways call the maximum sustainable supply chain capacity calculation. 
They spend a great deal of time talking about how this is a principal driver of how they choose to allocate their capacity between fall, winter, and spring. Unfortunately, uh, it's kind of a black box calculation and they've never really discussed or you know, lifted the covers on how they come to those numbers, just that they have, and this is the rationale for reducing capacity in the wintertime. So we asked that the grain plans elaborate on that so that there would be a common understanding with all industry stakeholders. And then lastly, if you're going to do all of these things, the value is not fully realized unless you actually have reporting against what happens versus what the plan was. So we had asked that the railways be required to provide a monthly report that would report against all of the service and asset targets that we've just talked about. That was fundamentally what uh, what went into a very long letter that we submitted to the government. Yeah, and and so it's you know this year this is something we we've always asked for these kind of details because ultimately you know if the plan says we're ready that's great but you know ultimately we just need to see how how they're ready what have they done to be ready and and that's you know essentially in simplified terms kind of what we're asking for and. This year in particular, just because of the the focus, the, the larger crop, the you know these food security concerns, you know we really don't want to stumble this year uh, as a result of of rail performance or, or logistics performance more more broadly. So that's why we ask for these things, and you know it, it's something that we feel is eminently doable and, and possible within within plans like this. And so that was our focus. And Mel, appreciate your your breakdown of that and. What we're going to do next week is actually dive into the grain plans and, and answer the question, did we get what we asked for? Uh, do we have enough information right now from these plans to, to be able to have a level of comfort about the railways being ready to, mo- to move grain this year? So watch out for that next week. Should be a good one. Thanks a lot, Milt, for your time. And for those who would like to see the reporting, you can go to www.agtransportcoalition.com. And we'll talk to you all next week. Bye. Bye.